Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. We have something kind of exciting to share. We are hosting a virtual meet and greet on February 7th, starting at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Tickets are $15, and you can purchase one by clicking the Buy Me a Coffee link in our Instagram bio, or, of course, in the show notes. Make sure to put the amount of $15 in when you go to purchase the coffee. And in the message portion of the purchase, make sure you put in your Instagram handle or somewhere we can send the link to the Zoom event. And make sure you include meet and greet ticket in the body of that message as well. Make sure you press submit and we will make sure to message you prior to the event. We absolutely cannot wait to meet those of you who are able to make it. Now let's get on with the episode. On February 26th, 2014, a father called 911 to let them know his daughter had found a body. She'd been riding her four-wheeler behind the Hagues Creek subdivision in Elgin, South Carolina, when she came across what she thought was a body. She called her dad for help to come identify that it was for sure what she thought it was. Not only was it a body like she thought, she recognized who it was. It was Brianna Rabin, a former classmate from Lugoff Elgin High School. This is her story. Brianna Nicole Rabin was born on March 27, 1995. She was born in Camden, South Carolina. She was raised in Elgin, which is in Kershaw County, which is the type of town that welcomes you with a sign that says, Home of the Catfish Stomp. Once I saw that sign, I was immediately intrigued. Brianna's parents were divorced and her mom had remarried. Brianna loved spending time with her family, according to Paula Zahn, and she had four brothers and three sisters. She was specifically close with one of her brothers and his sons, which, of course, were her nephews. Brianna's friend Dallas recalls that Brianna would give you the shirt off her back. Brianna was also known to be a bit of a free spirit, and you can definitely see this when you look at her Instagram or just see how her family and friends talk about her and remember her. In 2013, Brianna graduated from Lugoff Elgin High School. 
And after that, in 2014, she was busy working two jobs. She was working as a hostess at Texas Roadhouse and a pub chain called Tilted Kilt. What Brianna really wanted to be in the future, though, was a teacher. As I mentioned in the intro, Brianna's body was found by another young girl. Her body was found behind a subdivision in the Elgin area that's called Hague's Creek. Unfortunately for this case, the discovery of Brianna's body is described in somewhat varying ways. Some resources mention a group of teenagers were together when she was found, and others mention only the girl that asked her dad for help. This is something we're faced with in almost every case we cover as a true crime podcast. As we sit through the different perspectives, we're challenged with the task of figuring out what the truth actually is. And sometimes it's not what one source says or what another source says. Sometimes it's right in the middle. The truth is, sometimes things just aren't as clear as we'd like them to be from these resources. But either way, we know that this father called 911 and officers responded quickly. As the officer was approaching Brianna's body, She was so petite that he originally thought that he was approaching the body of a child. According to the sergeant that responded, Brianna may have not even weighed 100 pounds, and she would have been barely over five feet, if she even was over five feet. As he approached the body, he noticed that it was face down with a towel covering the majority of it. It wasn't until the sergeant knelt down next to Brianna's body that he saw on her hand a 2013 class ring. That's when he realized that the body was that of a young adult female. The condition of Brianna's body and the scene in which it was found quickly made it clear that she had been the victim of a horrible sexual assault and murder. Her body had scratches and cuts everywhere and her pants had been pulled down. One of the pant legs was caught on one of her shoes and it kept her pants connected to that foot. There was a lot happening at the scene too. Sheriff Jim Matthews was quoted in an article for WIS News on February 28th, 2014, saying, quote, we have a good deal of evidence that was collected by SLED, which is South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. We have some DNA evidence. We have some prints. We have other kinds of evidence I really can't get into now, but we could be doing a lot worse, end quote. So let's get into what was at the scene. Investigators removed the towel that had been covering the majority of Brianna's body. Investigators turned Brianna's body from the face-down position in which it was found and took notice that her red and white striped Ralph Lauren shirt and bra had been cut off or open. Blood was found to be coming out of her mouth and nose, an earring had been ripped out of one of her ears, and semen was found on her back. On top of what investigators could see from Brianna's body, there were a lot of things surrounding her. What they had found surrounding her were the contents from her purse that had been strewn about. In the photos shared on Palazon, you can see one of those red and white peppermints, a light-colored, almost baby pink nail polish, an Ulta brand beauty product that looks to be a lipstick, as well as the ever-millennial classic Maybelline Baby Lips Lip Balm in Cherry Me. A torn, broken piece of iPhone charger was also found at the scene, as well as a belt. And what's important to note about this belt is that there was a shoe print on top of it. The sergeant describes it as someone stepping on top of sand and then the belt. So we had a dusty footprint. 
The sergeant also describes the scene by saying, it looked like somebody dumped out her purse, covered her up with that towel, and left. As they were discovering the items that surrounded Brianna's body, they came across a name tag. It was a name tag for an employee that worked at Texas Roadhouse Restaurant. This name tag revealed the name of their victim, Brianna. They also then found Brianna's driver's license. They now knew that this was the body of Brianna Rabin. One of the most interesting and important finds at the scene were tire tracks. Not only would these tire tracks be able to help in identifying a vehicle that was once at the scene, but all four of the tires had different tread patterns. This information gave investigators the notion that whatever car they were looking for had four different tires on it, thus making it truly unique. It's very unique. That is not an all too common thing. Imagine a vacation waiting outside your door when you get home. Discover a new way to escape the stress of everyday life. Picture soothing jets massaging your back, relieving all your aches and pains. Sleep soundly without medications or supplements. Call 1-877-861-4672 to get $1,250 in instant savings, including free delivery. Call 877-861-4672 now or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Yet another important find at the scene was a chewed up piece of bright green gum. They gathered that real quick because they knew they were going to maybe find some DNA on that. Even if they weren't able to find DNA on that gum, they had DNA from beneath Brianna's fingernails. In her most horrific moment, Brianna had gathered evidence. She left us a piece of who her killer was and investigators were determined to get them. Brianna's body underwent an autopsy by Dr. Janice Ross. The immediate cause of death is listed as asphyxia due to strangulation. With this new information, and it came quickly, investigators immediately questioned if the belt or maybe the broken charger cord that they found at the scene might have been the murder weapon. As investigators were initially processing the scene and case, Brianna's family hadn't been notified of her murder yet. So let's talk a little bit about what was going on for Brianna's family. On February 26th, the same day Brianna's body had been found, her mom had been trying to get a hold of her, but she became worried when she couldn't. Her mom said in her interview that they spoke every day, even if they didn't see each other. Remember, Brianna worked two jobs, so she was Very, very busy. After not reaching Brianna by midday, her mom decided that she would give Brianna's work a call. Unfortunately, it wasn't good. They said that she didn't show up for her shift or call off. Brianna's mom then reaches out to some of her friends to see if she couldn't track her down that way or maybe at least find out who had recently heard from her. Brianna's friend Lindsay remembers this time well. Initially, she wasn't very worried, but the red flags went up when she noticed that Brianna hadn't updated any of her social media pages that day. No Instagram, no Twitter, no Facebook, 
nothing from Brianna. I remember it's 2014 at the height of both Facebook and Instagram. Absolutely. 2014, this is the times where when you went to the movie theater, you were tagging yourself there and marking what movie you were currently watching. You, It was a constant social media update, always, all day. For Brianna's brother, Josh, the worry came when he heard a horrible rumor. The rumor was that there was a body found and that the person was named Brianna. He called his mom to discuss this. And not long after, it was confirmed. Kershaw County deputies made contact with Brianna's mom to break the horrible news. Brianna had been murdered. It was obviously devastating. Brianna was such a lively and bright part of her family. They had no idea who could do this or why. The Kershaw Sheriff's Department was on top of it, though. Within hours of her body being found, the deputies found her red Ford Focus. It was parked at a Waffle House parking lot just a few miles from where she had been found. Once they discovered the vehicle, they went straight to the restaurant to ask for surveillance footage. Unfortunately, the cameras only recorded inside of the restaurant. Investigators reviewed the footage, however, and they come across a part where they think they found Brianna and a teenage boy. They let Sergeant Justin Dill know that they found some surveillance footage that they think Brianna is in. So he goes to the restaurant to review it. Unfortunately, the girl was not Brianna. It was actually somebody the sergeant knew. It was his neighbor. He was able to identify that it was his neighbor confidently. And the girl and the boy that she had been with had nothing to do with Brianna's disappearance. Around the same time, investigators found Brianna's cell phone about 25, 30 yards, which is around 22 to 27 meters away from her body. The sergeant says in his interview on Paula Zahn that it looked like somebody had just thrown the cell phone out, that they had been trying to get rid of it. Unfortunately, they weren't able to lift any fingerprints off the phone, but they did ship it to California for Apple in hopes that they could unlock the phone. All at the same time, tips were also coming in about Brianna's last moments. They discovered that on February 25th, around 11.20 a.m., Brianna had gone to Texas Roadhouse Restaurant where she worked to pick up her tip money. She then visited her friend Savannah for lunch at her house, Savannah's house. While at Savannah's house, Savannah's brother Tyler was actually trying to help install a new car stereo in Brianna's car. Unfortunately, Savannah's brother, Tyler, was unable to install the new stereo, and Brianna then left around 5.30 p.m. Since Tyler wasn't able to install it, Brianna decided to call on several people that evening to see who might be able to help install the new stereo. Apple let investigators know that, unfortunately, it would take a really long time to get any of the text message information on Brianna's phone and to get the phone unlocked if they even could. So they decide, you know what, we're going to take things into our own hands. They turn to Brianna's friends and they ask for screenshots of their last text message conversations with her. What they're trying to do here is to get the screenshots of, of course, what was said, but also the timestamps and date. I love these investigators and they're out of the box thinking. It was extremely smart because they were able to get started right away. Even if Apple could do it, it was just going to take a couple more days. They were able to get started right away. Now, of course, it's not to say that somebody couldn't delete something that was in the text message thread that may have been incriminating or had a timestamp that they were uncomfortable with, but it was something. 
that they could start developing a timeline with. With these new screenshots and timeline, they were able to confirm that she did indeed leave Savannah and Tyler's home around 5.30 or so. And the last text message that they had was placed at 7.44 p.m. on February 25th. Detectives aren't necessarily struck about anything specific from that last text message from 7.44 p.m., but they do want to know what was Brianna doing between 5.30 and 7.44 p.m.? Where did she go from Savannah's house? Tyler has a helpful piece of information. He tells investigators while she was here, she had been trying to get a hold of this guy, Graham. He doesn't know much more than that, but it's something for investigators to continue with. They get a hold of this guy, Graham, and he says, I was at work that night. That's why I didn't even get back to her until 6.30. And that's the last time I spoke with her. They were able to confirm this alibi of being at work and he gives investigators their next tip. He tells investigators that Brianna told him she was going to the home of a set of brothers named Alex and Andrew. She was going to their house to see if they could possibly help her install this new car stereo. These brothers weren't necessarily strangers, but Brianna apparently didn't know them super well. Savannah recalls the brothers being sort of quiet and maybe something was a bit off about them, but we don't know them personally. This is just directly from the interview that Savannah had. With this being the next tip, the sergeant decides that he's going to pay the brothers a visit. He asks them if Brianna had been there at their home on the 25th. The mom is home while the sergeant is there and she chimes in. She tells him, I told the boys to tell law enforcement that Brianna had been here, that she was at our house that night. One of the brothers, Andrew, said that he wasn't even home that night until 8 p.m. So he wasn't there. That's what he says. Alex, on the other hand, he says Brianna stopped by to see if he could install the new car stereo. And unfortunately, he was unable to do it. While the brothers are being interviewed, the sergeant gets a call that would inform him of a new uber-critical lead. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospa's hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now, and for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now and for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. A gas station near the Waffle House where Brianna had parked her car had footage of Brianna's car and another car that appeared to be following it. The surveillance video is timestamped 7.30 p.m. Of course, the sergeant heads over there to review the footage, and sure enough, it shows Brianna's car pulling in the Waffle House and backing into a parking space. Then, a dark-colored sedan pulls right in behind her and pulls all the way in front of her car. Brianna then gets out of her car and into the dark sedan. 
the dark sedan heads out of the parking lot and heads in the direction of where her body would later be found, the Hague's Creek area. As I mentioned, investigators knew this was critical information. They now had another update to their timeline. At 7.30 p.m., she enters another vehicle. And they have a picture of what that vehicle looks like. After leaving Waffle House in that dark sedan, Brianna texted Savannah. This is around 7.40. Savannah remembers that nothing seemed off in those text messages. It doesn't seem like Brianna knew that she was maybe in danger. At 7.44, we know that her last text message was sent. And this text message was sent to a different friend and they were just talking about what they were gonna be doing the next day. After retrieving this new information from the additional gas station surveillance, investigators turned back to the brother, Alex, just to make sure and clear whether his story was true or not. Remember, Alex said that he was unable to install the car stereo for Brianna. They decide to bring him in for interrogation. He admits in that interrogation that there was somebody else that was at his house on the 25th. It wasn't just him and Brianna. He says, I called my friend to see if he would come over to help with this car stereo installation. This friend was a man named Stephen Kelly. Now, Stephen was 21 years old, and he did have a bit of a criminal past, according to Paula Zahn. And this criminal past included things like burglary and theft. Brianna did not know him well, but she knew him a little bit, and she did know his girlfriend. According to Alex, Stephen wasn't able to install this car stereo either, and Brianna left his house around 7.15. Stephen then left right behind her, and Alex says he has no idea where either of them were going, but he does indicate that Stephen was driving a dark Chevy Impala. Between the surveillance footage and Alex's description of his car, investigators decide they need to check out if a dark sedan is at Stephen's house. So they drive past the home to see if they could see one parked there. As they approach the home, there it was, a dark gray Chevy Impala. And it definitely matched the one that they saw in the video footage from the gas station. Now they just needed to track the cars to see if they did make it to Hague's Creek. Investigators approached all the houses in the Hakes Creek area that had cameras, and they asked them to help them out by giving them any of their camera footage that they had. One of the houses had surveillance camera that monitored the entranceway of the neighborhood. And wouldn't you know, it caught that same dark sedan coming into the Hakes Creek subdivision area. Sergeant Justin Dill calls Stephen and asks him to come in. He says, okay, I'm supposed to go to work. Do you mind if I call and tell them I'm going to be late? And Sergeant Dill's like, yeah, you might want to tell them you're going to be late. When Stephen did finally make his way in that day, they immediately took note that he had abrasions and cuts all over his knuckles and forearms. In the pictures that were shared on Paul Zahn, you can see these sort of welts, it looks like, as well as smaller cuts that were all over his forearms and hands and knuckles. And you can also see two larger cuts. One is maybe about two inches that goes kind of diagonally down his forearm. And there's another one on the opposite hand's index finger. This is definitely a sign that he was recently in some kind of struggle. 
The sergeant reflects on Stephen's demeanor as well during his interview when he came in that day. And he says that Stephen kept really calm. He said, quote, it's almost like he was expecting us to come, end quote. Stephen admits to investigators that, yes, he was there at Alex and Andrews that night, but he claims he wasn't there while Brianna was. Stephen basically gets called out by the investigators, though. They say, no, Alex and his mom said you were there while Brianna was there, and then you left at the same time she did. Stephen says, no, I left at 8. And they're like, dude, we have video of you at 7.33 picking her up at the Waffle House. He was trapped, and that's when he started changing his story. He says, okay, I picked her up at the Waffle House, but I only gave her a ride back to Alex's house. What Stephen is claiming here during his interrogation is that he took Brianna to Waffle House and then back to Alex's because he says Brianna didn't want her family to see her car at Alex's. And that's why she wanted to park it at Waffle House. That's basically what he's saying when he says, I gave her a ride back to Alex's. Sergeant Dill then puts him in checkmate. He asks them, why do we have a video of your car entering the Hague's Creek subdivision then? That was it. Stephen finally says, well, I need an attorney to continue this. In the meantime, a search warrant had been granted for Stephen's car. And of course it was searched. While they were searching it, they found out it had four different tires, just like the tire tracks found at the scene. If that wasn't enough, a pair of Stephen's shoes were found to also be a match for the shoe print that was found on the belt at the scene. Stephen's DNA was also a match to the gun that they found. And it was a match to the DNA that they found on Brianna's body and beneath her fingernails. There was no questioning it. Stephen was ultimately arrested in March 2014. The sergeant expressed in his interview on Paula Zahn that when he told him, Stephen Kelly, you are under arrest for the murder of Brianna Rabin, Stephen's response was just, okay, with no emotion, no remorse, nothing. Brianna was laid to rest March 2nd, 2014 at Sawney Creek Baptist Church. One year later, a grand jury indicted Stephen in March of 2015. The sergeant says on Paula Zahn that he believes that while they were together that night, Stephen maybe made some advances towards Brianna that she denied him on. Stephen doesn't like that, and ultimately, Brianna starts to get a little freaked out and tries to run. Stephen stops her, assaults her, and ultimately strangled her, resulting in her horrific murder. However, Brianna's family and Sergeant Dill may never know exactly what happened that night because Stephen pleaded guilty. There was no trial. In front of a judge in the courtroom, Stephen apologized to the family. But mid-apology, they stopped him. They did not care. Rightfully so. Brianna's mom says, quote, there is nothing he could say or tell me that would justify what he did to my daughter. Brianna's family asked for Stephen to be given the maximum sentence. And in September of 2015, he was sentenced to 50 years in prison and is scheduled for release at the age of 72. I'll leave this episode today with a message that Brianna left us with in the form of one of her tattoos. She had this tattoo on her upper side ribcage area, and it read, quote, we accept the love we think we deserve, end quote. So for Brianna, let's all go out and accept all the love because we all deserve it. 
Until our next episode, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries pod on TikTok and Instagram at the Murder Diaries podcast.com and the Murder Diaries pod at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. Your five stars mean everything. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.